live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City. This is the Jeff Wagner Show. Here is the deal. Let me kind of go through what we know, and then I want to discuss this with you. It's just mind-boggling, and it might not technically be illegal, but if it's not, it should be. The reality is no car insurance, no problem. Nuts to that. Let's get them off the road. Impound the cars. Make the streets safer. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. What are those people talking about? You got a deal. A deal is a deal. Stop whining about it. Live up to its obligations. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. We live in interesting times. Okay, so yesterday, while people are running to the grocery stores buying all the toilet paper they can find and all the sanitary wipes they can find. All right, what does Jeff Wagner do? Well, I was driving around. Tomorrow is St. Patrick's Day. My late mom was 100% Irish, and I I looked in my liquor cabinet, and I did not have any Jameson's Irish whiskey in the liquor cabinet. So, all right, well, St. Patrick's Day is coming up. you got to do something about that. And it had been a while since my long-suffering and lovely wife, Fran, I I hadn't gotten her flowers for a while. So yesterday morning, I I go into the grocery store that's kind of across the street from us, and and there's... Almost no bottled water. There's no toilet paper. People are buying like boxes and boxes of baby wipes. And there I am standing in the line. I've got two dozen roses and I've got a fifth of Jameson's. That was it. And I was actually kind of talking to the cashier and the gal who was bagging. And they were they were talking about how, you know, people are just kind of panicking and the frustration they see when, you know, you're buying all the pos- all the baby wipes you can find. Well, what? What happens with the people who have babies who really need the baby wipes for the purpose they're intended? And I said, well, I said, I'm I'm prepared for the storm. I got roses and Irish whiskey. And they said, you're our guy. And I said, yep, absolutely. All right. A lot of ground to cover on today's program. I want to start off, though, by posing a question. Are these two brothers the worst people in America or are they just entrepreneurs? I mean, we we live in an era of supply and demand. I make no bones about being a capitalist. Is this just the example of it? If you haven't heard the story, I want to introduce you to Matt and Noah Colvin. They are brothers. They live in and around Chattanooga, Tennessee. So here's what happened. And the interesting thing is their story front page of the Sunday edition of the New York Times yesterday, and the story has subsequently gone viral. But I tell you this story because they are they are not ashamed in any way, shape, or form, or at least they weren't, of, of what they they did. All right, so here's the deal. March 1st, the day after the first coronavirus death in the United States, all right, these two brothers, Matt and Noah Colvin, set out in a silver SUV to pick up some hand sanitizer. Driving around Chattanooga, Tennessee, they hit a Dollar Tree, then a Walmart, then a Staples, then a Home Depot. At each store, they cleaned out the shelves. All right? So keep in mind, this is March 1st, so they're they're ahead of the coronavirus curve outbreak in the United States. Over the next three days, Noah, that's one of the brothers, took a 1,300-mile road trip across Tennessee and into Kentucky. He had rented a U-Haul truck, and he purchased thousands 
of bottles of hand sanitizer and thousands of packs of antibacterial wipes, mostly from little hole-in-the-wall dollar stores in the backwoods. He said the major metro areas were already cleaned out. So what he's going, the, the one brother is driving to all these tiny towns and stuff, finding in remote locations, and then buying all the antibacterial wipes and hand sanitizer. The other brother, Matt, stays home in Chattanooga, preparing for pallets of even more wipes and sanitizer that he had ordered. And, wait for it, starting to sell them on Amazon. He had posted 300 bottles of hand sanitizer, and he immediately sold them all for between 8 and $70 each. Now, this hand sanitizer costs a buck, so he's selling it between 8 and $70. To him, he says, hey, it's crazy money. All right, so he, he's gearing up for all this. And so then what happens is, you know, the brother comes back. They end up with almost 18,000 bottles of hand sanitizer. And their plan is to sell it on Amazon, to sell it on eBay. Again, if it's a buck a bottle, they're looking to sell it for, you know, you name it, anything they possibly can. Well, there's a problem. The next day, after they had started selling the stuff, Amazon pulled their items. The company suspended the sellers behind the listings and warned others that if they kept running up prices, they'd lose their accounts. eBay soon followed. And the bottom line was, now this guy, he's stuck with almost 18,000 bottles of hand sanitizer with no place to go with them. Um, all right. He, he then says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give an interview to the New York Times and talk to anybody else, and I'm going to portray myself as a, a victim. He says... Hey, hey, look. Okay, so so maybe I'm maybe I'm charging twenty or thirty or forty or fifty bottles on Amazon for two bottles of Purell that retail for a buck each. He said, but then, but th- there's costs involved. My my labor, you know, our fees, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. He said, you know, just because it costs me two dollars in a store doesn't mean it's not going to cost me more to get it to your door. He says to the New York Times, he's simply fixing inefficiencies in the marketplace. Some areas of the country need these products more than others. He's helping send the supply towards the demand. He says, I honestly feel like I'm doing a public service by hoarding all this stuff in times of an emergency and then selling it at a profit. Well, okay, the Tennessee Attorney General's office is not amused because just like in many states, including Wisconsin, they've got laws that regulate profiteering in times of an, an emergency. Um, but in any event, this guy, he's, he's, he's not apologetic, at least at the time, for, for what he ends up doing. He says, hey, I'm, I'm just a business guy. I, I saw that there was going to be this need. I jumped in to fill the demand. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Right, let, let us tee this up. At least in his initial interviews with the New York Times, this guy and his brother are portraying themselves as victims. Hey, you know, we, we saw the need. We got all this stuff together. And we're like now this central clearinghouse. And we deserve to be paid for our time and our effort and our costs. The flip side is, here you have somebody who is profiteering, knowing 
and perhaps anticipating that there was going to be a rush on a certain amount of products, important perhaps for the public health, and now here he's charging $20, $30, $40, $50, $80 for a $1 bottle of stuff. All right, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. He was at least initially upset that Amazon and eBay have shut him down. Does he have a legitimate beef, or are these two brothers... Some of the worst people in America right now. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'll tell you where I come down on this, and we will discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So Noah and his buddy Matt and his brother Matt Not only do they not think, at least initially, that they did anything wrong in buying up all the hand sanitizer they could find and then selling it for outrageous prices, but they say, they do an interview with the New York Times. I honestly feel like I'm doing a public service. I'm being paid for my public service. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I'm a free market guy. I understand supply and demand, but in times of national emergency i think there is a special spot in you know where for people who decide to profiteer and that's what these guys were doing profiteering by selling products that they buy as a do- for a dollar for 60 or 70 or 80 dollars trying to take advantage of people's panic for emergency items let's start with anna in east troy hi anna hello what do you think? This guy says he's why are why are people upset with me? I'm I'm just hey, I, I I'm being paid for my time. It took us a while to drive around and buy all the hand sanitizer in a two state area. Oh well pretty gun drops for them. They made that decision to waste their time in an effort to take advantage of people. I have a sister with an autoimmune disorder and they barely could get one bottle of hand sanitizer, but her health and wellness depends on, and she has to make frequent visits to the hospital, to the doctor's office. Yeah. You know, and to scalp someone, that's insane. It's its not an item, if you want to hoard jelly beans, well, right. no, God bless you. Right. Hoard your jelly beans. I can live without jelly beans. But there are many people who can't live without these items. Yes. That, right. And that, thanks for calling. See, and that, that's, the, that's the difference. Uh, okay, I, I said at the start of the show, I, I bought i bought my wife some flowers yesterday. So uh, uh, the, the flowers that I paid, they were on sale, two dozen for 20 bucks, $12 a dozen, 20 bucks for two dozen. The flowers that I bought yesterday, right around Valentine's Day, just like a month earlier, they were, they were selling them for $25 a dozen. Okay, same, I'm sure, same exact flowers. But all right, it's Valentine's Day, there's the demand. I understand, that's the supply and demand sort of thing that goes on. But to your point, Anna, you're exactly right. You don't have to, you don't have to have flowers. You don't have to have jelly beans at Easter. You don't have to have, oh, I don't know, Diet Coke. You don't have to have Irish whiskey at at, uh, St. Patrick's Day. It's a good thing to have, but you don't have to have it. All right, in this, given all the stuff that's going on here, yes, you, you need, people need the hand sanitizer. People need the sanitary wipes. People need the toilet paper. People need the bottled water. Now, we're going to talk a little bit later on in the program. I think you can make a, a strong, a strong argument that, uh, that consumers, 
at least some of us as consumers, we're, we're sheep and we're, and we're giving in to panic. Because, I mean, the bottom line is, okay, you, you go out to Costco, for example, you buy one of those giant things at, at Costco that's got, what, like 36 or 48 rolls of toilet paper. All right. I, I don't know what you're eating, but you know that that's going to last. That's going to last me a long time. That that's just the reality of this. You know, so why anybody needs a two-year supply of toilet paper is absolutely beyond me. So whether it's hoarding or whether it's people giving into panic, that's fine. But I just don't think we should allow people to exploit that panic. And the amazing aspect of this story to me is not just these guys did it. But the fact that they seem to feel that they are the victims and they go to the New York Times and other media outlets to whine about how they're being victimized by Amazon and eBay that shut them down from their profiteering. Let's talk to James in Brookfield. James, you're on WTMJ. Hey, good afternoon, Jeff. How are you? Good, good. I think that this is a great argument for government regulation. This is what anyone will do. If there are no laws in place to stop them, it is it is thoroughly in the capitalist ethos to exploit the supply and demand curve, whatever the situation is. This is this is just capitalism and there's no laws against it. So you can form an, a moral judgment as to whether they're right or wrong. That's completely your business. But the truth is they're not doing anything illegal. Well, actually, they are because no, thanks because the app actually they, they are. Because once, for example, Wisconsin has a law like this, Tennessee has a law like this, other states, matter of fact, the majority of laws have states, have laws that say when the governor declares an emergency, at a time of a national emergency, people who engage in this sort of profiteering are, in fact, violating the law. Now, as a general rule... You know, I, I, I would say, yeah. And like I say, it's, again, the flowers at Valentine's Day, who cares? But at the same time, in this particular situation, given that there's an emergency situation, when you start to sell stuff this much over retail, you are, in fact, violating the law. And I, I actually, I mean, I think there is a role of government not to regulate the prices. I mean, I don't think government has a right to tell Honda or Honda dealers how much they should be able to sell their new CRV for. That's a, a free market market transaction and the market will figure it out. But when you're dealing with a public health crisis like we are now for people who decide that they're going to exploit public health products, yeah, there is a law. And, and yes, they violated it, which is one of the interesting aspects of this whole story, because after they go to the New York Times and start whining about this, first of all, they are the object of scorn nationwide, as the vast majority of people are not sympathetic to what these guys try to do. And interestingly enough, the attorney general in Tennessee, where they are based, swoops in and says, okay, you guys have violated the law by what you're doing. Where do we go from here? The bottom line of all this is, and, and this this kind of, it is a sense of poetic justice to me, because the follow-up on this story is within 24 hours, apparently the, the two brothers have decided that they've been forced to give up their money-making scheme, and so they got 18,000 bottles of, of hand sanitizer. They ended up giving 12,000 of them to, like, their the local churches to be distributed throughout Tennessee, and the Tennessee Attorney General's office is coming in and taking the last 6,000. So this was one of these get-rich-quick schemes that kind of bottomed out real early. But, I mean, to me, the interesting aspect of the story is that I, I think a lot of times when we are faced with crises, various crises, 
it, it brings out the best in most of us. It, you know, it, it's the, all right, you know, you, you've got the elderly neighbors who, you know, might not feel comfortable going out. Fine. You know, we'll, we'll go out. We'll do the shopping for them, whatever it is. I, I think in general, in general, in times of trouble, you see us come together as communities. We put aside our political differences. We put aside the stuff that might separate us. We come together and, and we try to you know, just kind of get through this collectively. And then there's that small group of people who see this as an opportunity to try to make money or, or do whatever. And I guess I have always I have always appreciated that karma can be a you know what. Um, sometimes it doesn't take sometimes it takes a long time for karma to come around. And other times karma hits fast and hard. And for at least for 24 hours, people that I think can make a strong case as being the worst people in America, Matt and Noah Colvin, they found out what happens when karma comes back and bites you in the butt in a big way. Hopefully they kept a little hand sanitizer themselves to make sure they don't get any germs from being kicked in the tail by karma. Back with more in just a minute. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Well, we live in interesting times. Um, schools throughout Wisconsin and schools throughout the country have been closed. The idea being we, we don't want large groups of people, kids and the adults that teach the kids, coming into close contact because what happens is given how communicable the coronavirus is, all, all you need is, is one person that has it, and the next thing you know, you've got a whole bunch of people who are potentially infected then have to self-quarantine. All right, so we've had schools that are closed. We have had, you know, the professional sports have essentially have essentially just just shut down absolutely amazing that's you know we've gone through this first weekend of like no sports at all on on television um just really an amazing type of thing um that this is happening my, my wife actually sent me something it's one of the tweets that came out the other day here's what it says day two without sports found a lady sitting on my couch apparently she's my wife she seems nice. <laughs> I don't know why Fran sent that to me, but I, I think that there was kind of this, this element to that. So, okay, we, we don't have sports going on because, again, it's the, it's the giant, it's the com- communal gatherings. We've had parades, St. Patrick's Day parades all across the country, supposed to have been stepping off this weekend. By and large, many of them, I don't know if all, but many of them were canceled because we don't want people coming together in large groups. The CDC says... Groups over you know, larger groups should not congregate. You know, you should have we, we shouldn't have more than 50 people together or whatever. The idea being this whole thing about social distancing. You want to limit the contact you have around other people. The idea being it limits your exposure to somebody who might have been infected. So, so that's all the, the thoughts. The problem, though, is. For example, what's tomorrow? Oh yeah, tomorrow is St. Patrick's Day. So tomorrow is a day where people flock to the bars, and you know they they hang out. And I mean, Irish bars are jammed all across this country on St. Patrick's Day. So if the idea is we're going to cancel the parade, and we're not going to have spring training baseball games, and we're not going to have NBA games, and we're not going to do any of this stuff, but yet you have. Hundreds and hundreds of people crammed in, you know, shoulder to shoulder in a bar to celebrate St. Patrick's Day. You've kind of defeated the whole purpose 
behind this social distancing thing. The flip side, though, is we are a social type of people. We, we go out. We like to socialize. And on top of that, you have to balance the legitimate needs with not spreading disease with the whole notion that, you know, we have an economy, a service economy that's where there's lots of bars, there's lots of restaurants, there's lots of gathering places. And can you realistically say to these people, we're going to shut you down for an unlimited amount of time? What does that do to the economy? What does it do to the waiters, the waitresses, the servers, the small business owners? And where do you draw the line? If you say, okay, we're going to close down bars, does that mean you close down health clubs? Does it mean you close down movie theaters? Where do you draw the line? In any event, over the weekend, governors in five states, including Illinois, announced that all bars and restaurants were going to close, ordered closed at the, uh, I think, 5 o'clock today. They're going to be ordered closed to any uh, take-in dining. I, I think the, the exception to this is you can still order takeout food if they choose to do it, if they choose to provide it. But you, you can't go out to bars. You can't go out to restaurants. You can't sit at a bar. All right, that's that's what they've done in five states, Illinois, Ohio, uh, Massachusetts, Washington State and California. So they said, OK, no, no going out. All right. Governor Tony Evers today just issued an order which it it does not go so far as to close order all restaurants and bars to close that the order that is coming out today will ban gatherings of 50 people or more. So that does not require a bar or a restaurant to close, but it does require them to limit their patrons. And what he says is, look, we're we're trying to practice social distancing and take every step possible to mitigate the spread of COVID-19. Said it's not a decision I make lightly. I understand it's going to have an impact on Wisconsin's workers, families, businesses, and communities. But keeping folks safe and healthy has to be our highest priority. So bars and restaurants, the way I understand the order, can stay open, but they have to limit their patrons. Can't have more than fifty people. And I guess I, the mechanics of this will work out. But you get the general idea. The order does not apply to grocery stores, food pantries child care centers, pharmacies, and hospitals. But he says, you know, that this closure, we're doing it before St. Patrick's Day, which is one of the busiest days of the year for, you know, bar owners. All right, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. All right, there's really three ways you can go on this. One way is we should be closing down all bars and restaurants, period. You know, you should not be able to go in. You shouldn't be able to eat in at all because you might interact with people. That's one way to go. Way two is, look, you know, people are smart. You know, people, if you're not feeling good or whatever, we should trust people to make decisions. And by the way, there's a lot of people, if you were out and about this weekend, you noticed there were a lot of people who are already making the the decision to kind of self-quarantine themselves, bars and restaurants, I don't want to say that they were empty, but the business was dramatically lower. The third alternative is to say, you know, the, the governor might be on to something. This is a half measure, but it's a reasonable half measure. It doesn't order the places to be closed, but yet it sets a limit on the size of the gathering. So the restaurant can still stay in business, but it prevents 
the big mass gatherings that the CDC is talking about. It's a balancing. So the bars get to stay open. The restaurants get to stay open. But we expect that they're going to limit the number of people that are going to be in there. All right, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I have to tell you, I don't think this is a bad compromise. I I, I don't. I I think the reality is a lot of people are already deciding that that they don't want to go out. They're already, you know, making their own decision. They're kind of self-quarantining. I told the story at, at the start of the hour about how just for kicks yesterday, we were coming back from somewhere and we drove through the parking lot of the Marcus Movie Theater. It's kind of by where I live. And I would say on a Sunday night at seven o'clock, normally there'd be a hundred cars. There were maybe 15. So, I mean, people, I think, are just making those decisions. But I, I guess I think... This is a reasonable alternative. It's not saying you got to close down. It's not saying we're not going to let people go out. But at the same time, it's saying, okay, we're going to do everything we can to regulate mass gatherings. And maybe, you know, maybe at some point in time, you'll need to take that next step. Maybe we'll, we'll see that, okay, this isn't working and we're going, we've just had an explosion of cases in Wisconsin and we're going to have to take more draconian measures. But at this point in time, I understand where the governor is coming from. Okay, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I think this is a better alternative, at least immediately, than simply saying, we're putting all these restaurants and bars and plus we're going to put them all out of business right away. I, I think this is a reasonable first step. Might be that a week from now, you have to take another step. Might be a week from now, you decide you can pull back. But I think this is a reasonable step. That's my take. What do you think? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We're back to discuss in just a moment. Back to take your calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. Typically, we we say that, that half measures do not work. Now, in this case, it appears the governor of the state of Wisconsin is taking what we would describe as a half measure. He's not ordering, for example, all bars and restaurants to close like the governor of Illinois, the governor of Ohio, the governor of Washington, the governor of California has done. Instead, he is saying you have to limit capacity for the foreseeable future to no more than 50 people. And that's, of course, the CDC recommendation groups of of 50 or more shouldn't gather. That's going to be a huge hit for bar owners tomorrow. For example, it's St. Patrick's Day. But is this a a reasonable in-between step as we try to balance social distancing with the fact that we are social people and, hey, we we also have, have huge businesses? By the way, grocery stores, they are exempt. Pharmacies are exempt. Hospitals are exempt from this. A couple of daycare centers are exempt from this as well. Let's start with Sean in Bayview. Sean, you're first. Good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon. Yeah, I mean, you you got to do what you got to do. I, for one, am a musician who put my own uh, money into like recording and coming out with uh, a vinyl record, which is expensive, buying those to sell them. And my on-radio performances, my shows uh-huh. leading up to the release, they've all been canceled. And now I can't sell my merchandise or anything, and I'm just in the hole for all this stuff. So it kind of stinks. Uh, I mean, it hurts uh, more people than you can even imagine. Yeah, well, no, it, right, it, it actually, it, it does. And you're trying to find what I think, 
we've got to do is try to find a balance. Thanks for calling. And, I, and it, it will get better. But I understand me saying that doesn't help you right now when you've got, you know, rent that's due at the end of the month and bills for groceries and toilet paper and all that type of stuff. I, I understand we, we have to try to find that that balancing that's there. That's why I believe given that we are not at this point an epicenter of the coronavirus, I believe, and you can disagree with me, that it would have been an overreaction to order, for example, all bars and restaurants closed. At the same time, I think it is reasonable to say, okay, but having said that, we're going to do certain things. We're we're going to try to prevent the large gatherings that the CDC is focusing on. So, you know, we're going to allow you to stay open. We understand that there is a risk involved with that because, okay, I mean, right, one person in 50 could have, have traveled overseas and to come back and have been a carrier. And, and, yeah, you go into a group of 50, those 49 people are potentially going to get infected. You know, is that really any different than the one person who goes into the group of 500? That's why we are counting to an extent on people being somewhat smart, which is, you know, self-quarantine, if you've if you've just come back from overseas and you, you've just gotten in from Italy or something like this, you know, you shouldn't be out and about anyways. Now, I understand there's always people who don't do that and put the rest of us at risk. At this point in time, though, I, I think I think this is a reasonable balancing. And I, I mean, I knew the governor was going to do something today. I was actually hoping that he didn't find it necessary to close because of the economic impact to order everything closed. This is a half measure, but it's, I, I think, a decent start. Mark, who is calling us from Florida. Mark, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for having me on again. Sure. Um, Jeff, trying to summarize this. I was a lifelong resident of Florida until roughly four months ago. I'm retired. I now live a lifelong resident of Wisconsin. I now live in Florida. I talked to you not too long ago online. Right. Um, I don't think I could mention, could bring up the courage to say, because um, I'm not a fan of his, I think Governor Tony Evers is taking the correct decision right now yep. on a state-by-state basis. Now, I can tell you what's happening here in Florida and as I was telling your uh, screener, there is probably no state in the 50 states that has a more senior, right. heavy population than Florida. From everything I'm hearing from the Steve Scafidi, the Jeff Wagner Show, to 620 WTMJ News, to actually looking at two doctors' reports on the Internet right now, this coronavirus uh, generally infects to the point where it could be fairly serious with senior seniors. In other words, I'm talking about older seniors who have an underlying medical condition. The doctors I'm looking at right now, including a former employee who wasn't a doctor at the VFW I was at last night, he worked for the Mayo Clinic, okay, in Minnesota, says the only people, and he's been through a lot of these SARS infections and Ebola and that type of thing when he was working, he said... This is a mild symptom uh, type of, call it a, it's not a panic, it's an influenza type of thing. It's something that can be socially spread. But he worries, just like these two doctors I'm looking at on right now, and I can give you the tags to their, to their websites, he says the biggest fear we should have is to overreact. Now in Florida, maybe Governor Tony Evers, who I'm not a fan of, 
took the appropriate measure for Wisconsin. Down here in Florida, the only thing they're worried about is the cruise ships coming in and out, and okay. I believe they've shut that down. This is a state with a super heavy senior, the most likely to be infected population, and they aren't panicking. And they're and not, they so they're not closing shut. bars, they're not closing restaurants, they're not limiting public gatherings, huh? As far as I know, as of yesterday, Jeff, and uh, my girlfriend and I, um, we're going to a bar here in Newport, Ritchie, called Fitzgerald's, about as Irish a bar as you can get. <laughs> They're having a local wake march. They usually have that bar packed right. with 200 to 400 people for, for a St. Paddy's Day celebration. They just don't worry about it. So mm-hmm. let's temper this. The last thing I can say is, Jeff, you'll identify with this. I'm a former history teacher. FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, at the height of one of America's worst problems ever, went on the radio because there was no television back then, and he told the American people, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Mark, I'm going to let you go on on that note. And again, I, I see, I just think we need to balance stuff out. And it, it is interesting to me, because you're right, in, in Florida, you know, where you have a heavy senior citizen population. I, I will say this. It's funny because I have some very dear friends, my, my friends Dale and Maggie, who I know listen on a regular basis. They spend the winters in Fort Myers. And, and matter of fact, Maggie was talking to my wife this morning and saying they were in Naples over over the weekend. And it, it even though there's no order to close the bars and the restaurants, you know, downtown Naples, the, trust me, March, downtown Naples is normally bustling. They were saying it was practically a ghost town because people were making the decisions to, uh, again, kind of stay inside. That's why I, I think a, a lot of this is going to be water finding its own level. I think this is a reasonable step. Right. If the goal is let's try to limit mass gatherings, if that's the justification for not having the baseball games and not having the basketball games, we're going to limit mass gatherings. I think this is a reasonable step in in that direction. And then you might say, well, why wouldn't you also apply it to grocery stores? Well, it's kind of different. If you're if you're in a grocery store, you're, you're not there for a prolonged period of time. You know, you're in and out. You're not sitting, you know, shoulder to shoulder with people like you are if you're packed into a, a sports bar, even if there's no sports on TV. Again, I, I think this is a reasonable middle ground to take. I think it would have been an overreaction, and I'm getting some texts from people who disagree with me on this. That's fine. I think it would have been an overreaction to order everything closed. But, I mean, is this going to have a huge impact? Yes. A lot of people are bowlers. I must have a dozen texts already from people saying, does this mean that bowling leagues are, are going to be closing down? And my, my answer is, well, probably, yeah, if, if, if you've got more than 50 people that are there or they're going to have to stagger them at different times. Hopefully we're going to get through this in a week or two. I mean, hopefully this is going to go on for a month or two. Steve in Brookfield. Steve, you're on WTMJ. I think in three to five days, Jeff, that everything's going to be shut down. Um, I've got a sister in Beijing. I've got a cousin in Milan, Italy. And, and what you just said about grocery stores, they are letting one person in at a time wow. near Milan, Italy right now. And there's an armed guard at the door. So my armed thing guard is, at the door, a guard at the door. Wow. At grocery stores. Yeah. Wow. One person in is let, let in at a time. Um, Beijing is still under lockdown. My, my sister there has to get her temperature checked to go into her building. Um, but my, I'm calling in, actually, because of the testing in Wisconsin. So we know there's low, low tests, right? 
The first 100 tests in Wisconsin, there was 10 cases of infected. The next 100, there was 20 cases of infected. Now we're slightly over 300, and there's 33. That pretty much tells me there's a 20% infection rate out there, and it's just spreading. So I would be very happy if they just shut it all down for two weeks, because if not, it'll probably be shut down for a lot longer, and I think that's probably going to happen in about five days. Well, we we will know one way or the other. You know, and and again, we will know one way or the other. This is a half measure. Half measures aren't always bad, though. Back with more in just a couple minutes. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Eric Bilstadt, you missed the big news story. Oh, yeah. Coronavirus and Major League Baseball delaying and stuff. Menominee Falls High School, they've got a new nickname. Ah, uh, okay. So it was between Titans, Phoenix, Falcons, Falcons Ravens. And Ravens. I'm going to go with Phoenix. They are the Phoenix. Uh-huh. They're rising from the ashes. That's it. That? So no more Indians. They're going to be the Phoenix. I understand people in Arizona are already upset about cultural appropriation. So they will, they're will. they going to be coming at Menominee Falls. But you're, it's now the, the Phoenix rising from the ashes. Okay, so Major League Baseball in the middle of the, delaying the season at least to the middle of May at the earliest. At the earliest mid-May will be opening day. Well, yeah, because it's not like they're going to be able to flip a switch and you, you're going to need some form of spring training. Mm-hmm. So even, you know, best case scenario, you would think they, they need at least another two weeks or so. They get the players together um, at least two or three weeks before they're ready for the regular season. And there's some, there's some talk that that could actually be held here yeah, at the uh, the home ballparks of some of these teams that the spring training wouldn't necessarily be in Arizona. So whenever oh, that sure, does right, happen, right. it's something unique and different. Right. But yeah, because it's, it's not like they can just flip a switch and start playing again. You're right. going to need at least some, start playing. You're going to need a little bit of a uh, warm up to that. Okay. Um, Tony Evers, the governor, is going to be speaking at 1.30. We, we pretty much know what he is going to say, limiting public gatherings. The, the interesting thing, and a number of people are raising this issue, is how do you enforce something like this? I mean, as, as a practical matter, if you have a, a bar tomorrow, let's say, that is over capacity, what, what is going to happen? What are the penalties going to be? Now, I, you, you hope it doesn't come to that because the, the bottom line is what we're trying to do right now is we're trying to get through this. And, and I, I think people need to people need to cooperate People need to go along with things. People need to be smart when, when they go about stuff. It's why I do find it infuriating that you have the folks that are out there hoarding the, the toilet paper and hoarding the hand sanitizer. I mean, that's all you're doing. And, and see, the interesting thing here, and this is the, the calming note, we don't have shortages of any of this stuff. I mean, I was reading several articles over the, over the weekend. There, there's plenty of toilet paper out there. There's plenty of paper towels out there. There's plenty of hand sanitizer out there. The problem is the supply chain. So what happens is that the truck pulls into your local grocery store, you know, at 2 o'clock in the morning. They fill the shelves up, and then people come in, and they buy everything. And so they're empty when other people come in at 2 in the afternoon, and then it ends up getting restocked. It's not like we're running out of toilet paper. It's not like we're running out of, of Kleenex. It's it's out there. 
It's just you have the, these mass panic buyings. You're going to be able to get toilet paper. You don't need to be a pig about it. You're going to be able to get hand sanitizer. You're going to be able to get bottled water. You just don't need to be a pig about it. You know, buy, buy what you think you're going to need and, and you'll, you'll be fine. We're, we're not faced with, it's, it's not like, you know, some of the things that were happening in World War II in, in Europe where there were long lines for bread and things like that. that we're not at that stage. There, there'll be the stuff that's out there. You do not need to hoard things. You know, buy what you need. Maybe buy a little bit of extra stuff so you don't have to worry about running out to the store if you go every day. So maybe you only have to go once every three or four days. But we're, we're not we're not at that point. We're not going to be closing the pharmacies. We're not going to be closing the grocery stores. You're going to be able to get the stuff you need. Do not panic and don't be a pig. All right. I want to talk about another aspect of this, and that has to do with travel. I admit that I was kind of I was struck by a number of the the f- pictures over the weekend of people who were flying back from from Europe. Now, President Trump did not handle this well on Wednesday night. His his televised address to the country, I, I thought I, I thought it made matters worse not better. Actually, I thought he hit the right tone on Friday afternoon press conference. This is what we're doing. Boom. We freed up $50 million. Boom. We've got extra testing kits. Boom. We've cut a deal with the private sector for this or that or the other. That was that was the speech. Those were the remarks he should have made on Wednesday night. Wednesday night, he says, okay, we're going to pose a, a travel ban and, and we're going to ban a cargo coming in. Well, that wasn't true. I mean, so people immediately panic. What about trade? Secondly, that the ban on European travel, and it was unclear during the president's remarks, did not apply to American citizens who were overseas. You would be able to get back. Nevertheless, this set off this panic, people rushing to get booked on flights so they could get home um, before there was any sort of travel ban. As a practical matter, one of the problems is that even though there's not a travel ban per se, American citizens able to come back from Europe, they're able to return from Europe, uh, airlines are just cutting flights dramatically because of of the, the ban on European travelers being able to come into this country and um, just the, the drop-off in demand in general. So airlines are, are cutting flights dramatically. Matter of fact, th- these numbers, United Airlines said it's going to cut 50% of its flights in April and May and extend extend cuts into the peak summer travel season. Delta Airlines said Friday, after my show ended, that it's parking 300 planes and slashing 40% of its capacity. Delta and American have suspended all spring flights to Europe. Um, All right. In addition, American Airlines said on Saturday it is parking more than 100 wide-body planes and slashing international flights by 75%. It's also going to cut U.S. seating capacity by 20% in April and 30% in May. So the bottom line is even if you want to travel somewhere, uh, you know, the number of flights that are going to be available are dramatically cut down and Unlike what's been going on for the last several years, when you get on an airplane and it's chock full, um, a lot of the flights that are going, because people are canceling or not booking or whatever, a lot of the flights that are going are half full or a third full or whatever. So that's one of the ways 
that that our our travel is being regulated. There's just fewer places to go and fewer ways to get there on the planes. And, and this is it's a huge economic problem for for the airlines. One of the other things, though, that is under consideration is apparently the president is considering restrictions on wait for it domestic travel. All right. Now, so far, there are no restrictions on domestic air travel. If you want to fly from Milwaukee to Las Vegas or to Los Angeles or to San Diego or to Miami or to Fort Myers, um, you, you order New York. You, you can do that. There's no restrictions on that right now. You just have to find an airline that's flying and an available seat. Um, in addition, there's nothing right now that stops you from getting in a car. I have a colleague who I, I know is planning at the end of the week to bundle his family up in a car and they are going to drive from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, somewhere in Florida where they have a, a vacation that's been planned forever. And that is still on. As we stand now, there's no bans on domestic travel. Our Now, you might ask the question, why do you want to go domestically? Because if you're planning to go to Florida and visit the mouse, that ain't going to happen because that's closed. You get down to some of these areas and the bars, the restaurants, the attractions, they're, they're going to be closed. So you wonder, do you really want to go? But our number, 855-616-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We are... In some states, they're closing bars and restaurants, like we talked about in the last segment of the program. There are limits on the size of gatherings. So here's my question. Should we put limits on travel? Should we say no more domestic flights? We don't want to take the risk that somebody that's, I don't know, been in New York and has been exposed to something getting on an airplane and flying to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and potentially exposing all the people that are on the plane with them, and then, you know, all the people that he or she comes into contact with in Milwaukee. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Should we put limits on domestic air travel? And if so... If so, how extensive they should be. And if we think it's a good idea to limit domestic air travel, what about car travel? I mean, does it make any difference if if we think it's a good idea to not have people flying from New York to Milwaukee? Should we say, hey, we don't want to leave in New York State and driving to Milwaukee because, you know, you'll be stopping along the way. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Has it come to that? We discuss in just a moment. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. Bob in Caledonia. Hi, Bob. Hi, Jeff. How are you? I'm well, thank you. What do you think about all this? Should we start banning domestic travel? Well, our place of employment, uh, as of this morning, if you traveled out of country or out of state, you're staying home for 14 days. Right. Uh, I agree. I agree that uh, it it should slow slow the infestation down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How so, far would you take this? Would you, if we say we we don't want people traveling interstate, we don't want people. Uh, would you say, gee, you know, I, we don't think you should drive from Milwaukee to Chicago? Um, would Would you go that far? Well. You know, I yeah. If you live close to the border, I guess it'd be hard to uh, you know, police it, keeping you in state. But 
I sort of think within state you are right. Okay. So, right. I, I don't think you should be allowed any more than that. Okay. Thanks for calling. And then, of course, then that raises the issue of, you know, where, where do you draw the line? Is it is it okay if I want to drive to Gary, Indiana, or if I want to drive to Florida? But, you know, and if you say, no, that's not okay, well, all right, what if I want to drive to La Crosse? I mean, arguably, it's farther it's, it's farther from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, to get to La Crosse, Wisconsin, than it is to get to Chicago, Illinois. How, how do you implement these type of bans inside the, the country? Now, see, I, I think... I think part of this is going to take care of itself because, again, I just think people are making the decision as a general rule that they're not going to travel. And you're starting to see that with the planes that are out there. I think if you have a couple areas that are where, where you have the, the huge infection rates, you know, issues like Seattle, um, you know, areas of New York, for example, I, I think in those cases, it, it makes sense to try to discourage people from going there. I will tell you, and this is one of the undercovered stories about all this, you know, one of the things that, that's fueling the spread of this, it's, it's, it's the homeless. And by that, I mean, you know, we don't have a good way of tracking, you know, people who are homeless. And I was talking to some people yesterday who are familiar with some of the stuff that's going on in the West Coast where you've had a couple of these outbreaks. And, and we talk a lot about the, you know, the nursing homes and stuff. But one of the underreported things is the, the number of people who are homeless, who are kind of like off off the grid, who you know, are testing positive with this, who you're, you're really trying to get with, you know, it's one thing to say self-quarantine, but what if you don't have a place that you're going to self-quarantine or you just don't, you know, that that's not how you're going to operate. I mean, this, this is one of the issues that's out there as well. Let's talk to Michelle in Burlington. Hi, Michelle, you're on WTMJ. Hi. What do you think? I agree with what you just said about, you know, the areas that it's a bigger problem. Maybe we should limit the travel. But the problem we're having right now is we're scheduled to go to Hawaii on Thursday, uh-huh. and the airline is not working with us. We bought the tickets last July, so we'd have a year from then, which would be this July, to use them. And it's a lot of um, travel, $900 worth of travel sure. to use in that little bit of time. Right. And they, so they're, yeah, they're, so they're, they're not giving you the not, option. They're they're not letting you have another year to use the tickets or something, huh? No, no. And you know, I mean, we would go, but what if we get stuck over there? Well, yeah. Or you get over you know? there and they close all the attractions that you wanted to go see, or, or something. Exactly. Yeah, you know, I mean, so that exactly. let's say you're going to Oahu and you want to, you've always wanted to see Pearl Harbor. Okay, well, Pearl I, Harbor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, as as an example, you know, and and they they close that. No, that's, I I think. Yeah, like candidly, like I, I feel bad for the travel companies and these airlines because they're they're getting hit hard mm-hmm. by this. But at the same time, I right. think I think they have to step up and work with people like you, Michelle, to say, all right, th- this right. is this is none. Of, it's not your fault either, and you know, it's a lot of money that's on the table, and they have to be willing to work with you. Hey, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Um, we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be back with more in just a moment. Matter of fact, I want to tell you a story coming up after the governor speaks about um, some friends. I know, and the quandary that they are in. It's 127. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Now, just following up on one of the things we were talking about a couple minutes ago, it's one thing to say there's an area where there's an an outbreak of of coronavirus, so we're going to try to limit some of the air travel to that. And, And that's one thing. But 
if you're starting to talk about limit domestic travel, I, I, I just I don't know how you do it because we, we have a whole supply chain of, of goods and services. I mean, I, I was saying earlier, from everything that I have seen, we, we do not have a crisis of supply. It's not like there's not toilet paper. It's not like there's not soap. It's not like there's not sanitary stuff. What happen, What happens is, you know, the, the trucks come in, they drop the stuff off, they put it on the shelves, and people panic, and they go buy a year's worth of the stuff, and then they clean out the shelves until it can be restocked the next day or so. But as far as the supply pipeline, there, there's, there's plenty of stuff. We're not facing shortages of things. Well, part of the practical problem is if you start to limit domestic travel, all right, where, where do you draw the line? Do you say to one of my colleagues, hey, you know, you, you can't take your kids and go down to, to Florida and, and stay in this vacation house that you've rented? Well, how do you say that? Do then you, then do you next say, hey, that, that truckload of oranges that's being shipped from Florida to Milwaukee or whatever, that all that fruit, well, you know, the truck driver can't bring it? I mean, that's... I, I don't think that that's a practical sort of situation. You, you can't shut down everything. You can't shut down the rail cars. You, you know, you still have to have some degree of interstate commerce. You just have to be smart about it. Okay, which brings me to, should I stay or should I go? I have um, some friends of mine, and, and here here is the deal. Mexico has not... In Mexico, I think as of yesterday when I looked this up, they'd have the, they'd had like 55 reported cases of coronavirus, 55. Mexico has not banned large gatherings. Mexico was one of the few places in, in the developed world where they, they, had, they had soccer games. They were playing soccer games yesterday, for goodness sakes, or over the weekend. They had 55,000 people showing up at some of these big concerts and stuff. Mexico has not reacted the way the rest of the world has. And, you know, will they do that at some point in time? I don't know. So anyhow, my, my, my friends, they're friends of mine, they have long-standing plans to go to uh, one of the resorts in Mexico, and I should know this, I, it's not Cancun, but it's one of the others. But you know what I mean. It's one of the, you know, one of the, the resort communities. They are scheduled to leave on Friday. They plan to take, the plan is, and they do this every year, they take their kids and they take their grandkids. They're they're great folks, and it's kind of like a family vacation. So they're scheduled to fly, I think, out of Chicago on Friday and then come back a a week from Saturday. And and they were, we were having this this debate, you know, should I stay or, or should I go? And at least as of the time I saw them Friday, and admittedly a lot can happen, you know, over the course of the last couple of days, I mean, I think their intention, assuming the airlines were, were still flying, their intention was was to go um, to to continue. They said, look, you know, unless we get these reports from the resort that they're they're closing down or something like this, our intention was was to go. I haven't talked to him since Friday evening, but I, I thought that was kind of interesting. I, I I'm still. I can't get the picture out of my mind of what was going on at the airports in the international arrivals area over the weekend where you had all these people who were coming in from Europe, for example, who, you know, were in line for four hours to try to get through customs. I mean, you know, some people who were sick, some people who weren't, but just the the overall hassle. But let's tee this up. Our number, 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Let's say that's your situation. You have 
long-standing trip, you know, going with your family. The resorts in Mexico are still open. Assuming the plane flies, at least, you know, assuming the plane flies on Friday, who knows what's going to happen a week from uh, Saturday when you want to get back, but do you stay do you cancel it or do you go? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I don't want to be, you know, nervous, Nelly, but I think if it were me, I, I'd pass. I, I think if it were me, I would pass. But that's me. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's start with Mark in Kenosha. Hi, Mark. Hey, thanks for having me. Sure. You know... I've got a five-year-old and a seven-year-old, and I have to regularly explain to them the difference between wanting something and needing something, Uh and I think that's what this boils down to. If you want to go on a trip, but you you can pass on it and replan for another time, then you probably should be. If you need to go somewhere, whether it's for a, a sick family member or a, a family emergency or something like that, then, then by all means, you should be able to go. I think that we need to sit back and ask ourselves, is this something that I need to do, or is it just something that I want to do, but I could plan it for another time, or, or I could you know, look out for myself and fellow Americans and just cut down on the travel, because that's really what we need to do. Is right. ask or you just go next year. Do we you, want or right. need? You, you, or you just go, you go next exactly. year. So if this was you, and it was clearly a vacation trip, you'd you'd pass it up. You'd say, look, I'll, I would I'll, I'll pass reschedule. and plan for later, because... For, for me, if I bring back a virus and affects someone I know from someone that I don't know, even one one person losing their life over it, that's too much for me, too much risk to take. I'll plan it for a different time. Okay, but the fl- I, and I appreciate that, but but the flip side is, okay, you you could, you know, you could go out tomorrow night to dinner, you know, a restaurant that has fifty people in it, and somebody could be a carrier, and you could pick it up there. So I mean, there, there's no, there is no guarantee about life. I mean, you you could still get it somewhere, right? God. Okay. Oh, yeah, you could get it anywhere, but it depends on how many times do you want to roll the dice before you realize you're going to get snake eyes, and there you go. Right. Now, thanks. I guess I, I, and I appreciate that sentiment. I'm just, I'm kind of this practical guy. I guess I'm listening to this, and I'm thinking, first of all, you don't know, we don't know what the world is going to look like a, a week from now. And, you know, that's what I was talking earlier about all these airlines that are canceling flights, et cetera, et cetera. First of all, I mean, like I said, I saw these pictures of the international arrival area. There's no way that I want to be standing in, in, you know, some packed like cattle in some close quarters area for four or five hours trying to get through customs. I, I don't want to do that, and I would be dreading it. Secondly, you don't know what air what airlines are going to look like. And, I mean, part of my thing is, like I was saying with cruise ships a week or two ago, my, one of my big concerns isn't so much getting sick. Now, I don't want to bring it back. I don't want anybody else to get sick. But, I, I mean... I'm I'm a reasonably healthy guy. Even if I got the coronavirus, I'd probably be sick for a couple of days and then get over it. But I, number one, I don't want to spread it, especially to people who might get really sick. But but number two, in addition to to that, I don't want to get stuck somewhere, and that would be kind of my fear that okay, you, you get down there and then something's happened and there's some outbreak and you've got some quarantine and and you're not stuck in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, or you're not stuck in Chicago, Illinois. You're stuck in, you know, Apple Jam turnaround Mexico and and then okay, then then what do you do? Because it's one thing to be self quarantined at your house. It's another thing to be quarantined at, at some resort 
you know, uh, you know, in Mexico, eight five five six one six. I would pass, and, and I'm I'm not I'm not weak need about this stuff. But to the point that our first caller was making, Mark, I'm kind of like you know, I I can do this I can do this anytime. There, there's nothing magic that says that you have to go in April. You know, you can you can go in October, and maybe you're going to lose a little bit of money if you can't get your deposit back. But I would just be so worried about getting stuck there. All right. Would you stay or would you go? We pick up the conversation in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. If you want to join us, 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620. If you're just tuning in, two, two story. I have two very dear friends, and they, every year they take their kids and their grandkids, and they take them for a family vacation in, in, in the resorts in, in Mexico. And, and, and this year, they're, they're, it's scheduled for next Friday, for this coming Friday. Supposed to leave, and they don't go to Cancun. I, I, don't, I forget where it is that they go, but you get the idea. The whole family vacation, and you know, we, we were discussing: Do you stay or do you go? As of at least last Friday night, when I saw them, the plane trips hadn't been canceled or anything like that. All right, do you stay or do you go, Steve in Oconomowoc? Steve, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, I was scheduled to go to Jamaica next week, and. Uh, we canceled the well, we rescheduled the trip. We right. didn't cancel it. And um, the reason was, first, my wife was worried about the health care system in Jamaica. She said that if yeah. we were sick in Jamaica, how good will I be cared for? My tipping point was Jamaica's had nine cases, is that they had already quarantined one part of the island. And my fear was they were going to quarantine, let's say, where we were going to be. Yep. Uh, now, granted, two weeks and it all includes two extra weeks and all inclusive may not be such a bad thing. But, 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 but yeah, and yeah. I also didn't want it. And the other thing is, what happens if we suddenly say, "All right, no more travel international in the United States," and then we're stuck like they were yesterday at you know yeah. with all the people coming from here. Well, right. So we yeah. rescheduled it for December. So. Yeah. No. I think. See, I guess Steve, that that's kind of how I would look at this as well. If you don't, and I, I mean, I appreciate the the difference. Our first caller made a distinction. It's one thing. Do you have to go? You know, there, there is that kind of distinction. I think, candidly, if it were me, just just me, Jeff Wagner, making that decision, I'd sit there and I'd say, okay, that this is something you want to go. But I will tell you. It, it would have, maybe this is just me, it would affect my enjoyment. I mean, I, the whole time I would be there, I know me, I'd be worrying about, oh gosh, what, what's going to happen if they extend the quarantine? And, and I'm stuck here for a week, couple weeks. What if they cancel the flights? It, it would, it would interfere with my enjoyment of the vacation. I think I would rather say, you know what? I'm just, Plus, I mean, I've got a job where I, I don't want to be, I don't want to not be able to do my job for a month at a time. It's one thing for a week, but I, I don't want to be caught in that situation. And I think that would all be hanging over my head, not to mention you don't want to get sick and you certainly don't want to come back and get other people sick. I just think it would enjoy, it would, it would limit my enjoyment. And while I'm one of the guys who believes that life is short, there, there's nothing that says you have to do the trip now. To your point, you're doing the trip in December and you'll enjoy that. Let's talk to Rick in New Berlin. Rick, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Rick. Um, my son has a trip schedule, scheduled in three weeks to go to Mexico. And uh, I, at, at this point, I wouldn't try to stop him from going. Okay, you would not. Is, is this a school trip or just a trip with his buddies? He's going or? with, a, he's going with a, uh, another family from school, yes. Okay. But it's not a school-sponsored trip. Um, but... 
I would, uh, yeah, I would. I, I think in three weeks we're gonna I, I, look how fast this developed. Everything's happened. Excuse me, happened in the last five days. Three right. weeks from now, it's going to be a whole different perspective, and we may realize that um, we canceled too much too quick. And on the other hand, maybe we didn't. But so you would not. Um, you, I think that you would not. Discu- I don't think I'm sorry, you would not. Dis- the- you would not discourage your son from going. That's what you said. At this point, no, I would not. Okay, what would have to happen to change your position on that, or or anything, if anything? I don't know. Okay, all right. No, I, 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 I mean, I, I could get into, no, yeah, okay. I, I don't know what it would take, okay. honestly. No, th- thanks for calling. I guess, I, again, I, I'm, I, I'm not one of these people that, I, I like to think I have a, I, I don't overreact to stuff, and I like to try to not underreact to stuff. I guess, again, Mexico, my, my kind of attitude would be, all right, Mexico's going to be there. <laughs> you know, hey, Key West is going to be there. You know, Orlando is going to be there. Las Vegas is going to be there. And I really do think we're going to come through this. I, I mean, I, I this is going to, right now what we're looking at, whether it's the stock market or everything going on, it, it is a temporary blip. I, it's, it is an inconvenience, a significant inconvenience. But at, at the end of the day, and maybe I'm going to be completely wrong. Maybe, you know, two months from now, we're going to be having exactly the same conversation and, and life has changed dramatically forever. I, I don't think that's going to be the case. And I, I think actually this might subside sooner rather than later. I hope I'm right. But I guess I'm looking at this and saying, I just, at this point in time, I, I wouldn't take the risk of going down there and, and really and getting stuck down there, not being able to get back. I think I would I would stay. Steve in Green Bay. Steve, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hello. Hi, Steve. Um, as I told your screener, there's a couple things. Right now, I, mean, I used to travel every week for business, but there's nothing I would get on today. Last thing I get on is an airplane. If you're looking for a man's most perfect biological incubator, it's an airplane. <laughs> yeah. You've right. got an unfiltered air system. It's recirculated. I don't care if they they skip rows. You still have the ability to be affected. And secondly, um, you know, there's no way I go to the country. Right now, four of us are going to quarantine ourselves in an ice house on Devil's Lake, North North Dakota, starting Saturday. We're all healthy. Right. We're not going to see another soul for five days. You know, there's not a risk. But yet I got a brother-in-law and a sister-in-law. We're going to get a plane this weekend and fly to Florida to visit her mother in a a retirement place with a bunch of other old people. And yeah, that yes, thank, see, just, that, that's just crazy. Well, I mean, thank, see that that's the, the you know, I, it's it's interesting. I was kind of thinking about this morning. My 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 parents both passed, uh, but. I mean, it, it, the last couple of years of their life, they, they were living in in a retirement community and a you know, assisted living place and things like that. And that that's one where would I visit them? I I don't know. I mean, I don't know how exactly you handle that because because th- th- see that that's the thing. And I, I, whenever I say this, I'm I, I'm always afraid people are going to say, oh, you're just you're poo pooing this. I look, I I for most people. You get the coronavirus. It's going to be kind of like the flu. You're going to be sick for a couple of days. You're going to be re- you're going to recover. That's for most people. All right. At the, but I'm, and I'm not equating this with the flu. But there are certain subsets of people, particularly 
older people, elderly people with compromised immune systems or whatever, then, then it's a different dynamic. And the last thing that I would want to do is, is go in to see, like, if my mom and dad were still alive, go see them and, and then inadvertently be carrying germs. But, I mean, I, I felt that way about the flu. I felt that way about colds as well. Stacy in Waukesha. Stacy, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, hi. Hi, Stacey. Um, so, like I told the screener, so we're actually in the midst of trying to make this decision because we are set to go to Florida, um, leaving Friday, arriving on Saturday. Right. Um, selfishly, it's my oldest. It's her last year that she'll join us as she's a senior in high school. We're driving, though, right. um, and we've got a condo that's rented. We can stay to ourselves. We had no um, plans for, like, big attractions. So, you know, our... our you weren't going to go exposure. see the mouse anyway, so it doesn't make any... It Correct. doesn't matter that it's exactly. closed. Exactly, okay. right. And, and, you know, and so the question for us is then, do we self-quarantine at home, or do we go 16 hours down the road and be together in a condo, but maybe with better weather? I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is. Right. And at least in your case, in contrast to my friends, you're driving. And, and you're, you're in the, you're yeah, in the sure. United States. So yep. at the end of the day, you're going to get you're going to be able to get home. You know, you're, some, you're going to be able to yep. put yourself in that car. You're not going to be stuck in Zihuataneo or wherever. Um, right. Exactly. Right. Yep. I don't, I don't and, know. So and, you... And, and, so you haven't decided yet. If we were flying, we would not. We would not be going if we were flying. Um, I work in healthcare. I work in hospice, actually. Um, and so, you know, it's it's. I, I try to be very careful every day. It doesn't matter because, unfortunately, I work with just a, a right. very vulnerable population. So every day we try to practice, you know, the best healthcare um, measures that we can. Um, but you know, I'm, I I I don't know what to do. Yeah, you know, I I wish you the best, Stacy. My um. My mom, before she passed, she used to volunteer in hospice. It takes it takes a Aww. special it takes a special kind of person to do that or do what you do because it's you know it's just I I just I just don't think I could do it because just of the oh goodness you know of the nature of 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 that and it but it's so important so um, I I hope you have well, thank I, you. I, I'm not going to give you any advice one way or the other but whatever you do I hope you have fun okay. <laughs> Thank you. It's an sure. honor and a privilege to yeah. work in hospice. It, it, it is. really is. No, thanks. I just my, my mom used to do that, and I just, honest to goodness, because of course you know you're, you're working with people who are who are dying, and you know you get to know them, and then you come in on Tuesday night for your shift, and they've they've passed away, and I I understand that's all part of the chain of life, but boy, I, I just have so much respect for people who do what Stacy does. Back with more in just a couple minutes. Don't go anywhere. Jeff Wagner is back right after this. Debbie Lazaga knows traffic. I can't find the eggs. Oh, just take a left at the milk. If you reach the bagels you've gone too far, might hit a little bit of traffic near the apples, so be careful. Thanks. Getting you where you need to go. Debbie Lazaga. Mornings and afternoons on WTMJ. This is Jeff Wagner. I am a huge fan of Serta Pro Painters. I can't say enough about the quality, the service, and their attention to detail. Get a jump start on spring painting. Secure your painting spot now with Serta Pro Painters. Notice any home exterior damage? Call the pros at Serta Pro Painters to take care of cracked, peeling, or chipping paint on your home's exterior. Each Serta Pro Painters business is independently owned and operated. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Okay, so Eric Bilstead, I got this note from uh, one of our former colleagues who now works um, for the largest radio station in San Francisco. Okay. News department. Mm -hmm. Yep. Six San Francisco Bay Area counties are expected to announce a shelter-in-place order 
for all residents later on today, directing everyone to stay inside their homes and away from others as much as possible for the next three weeks. Um, let's see. The directive begins Tuesday morning, 12 a.m., midnight tonight. Mm-hmm. Involves San Francisco, Santa Clara, San Mateo, Marin, Contra Costa, and Alameda counties. That's, that's Oakland. A combined population of more than 6.7 million people. It's to stay in place until at least April 7th. Uh, the order is not a full lockdown, which would prevent people from leaving their homes, but it calls for the sheriff or chief of police to ensure compliance, um, et cetera, et cetera. All non-essential gatherings of any size are now banned, along with any non-essential travel on foot, bicycle, scooter, automobile, or public transit. You can travel for shopping for necessary supplies, accessing health care, providing aid to family and friends, um, and if you're, you know, coming back, you can come back from the airport. But otherwise, you're you're supposed to be limited. You talk okay. So that's six counties around the Bay Area. There, that's like what six point seven yes. million people. Six seven million people. Six point seven wow. million people. Um, uh, for the next three weeks. And again, it, it's not a full trap. That you know, one of the big questions is how do you enforce something? Mm-hmm. You know, like that. What what are you going to do? You know, but. But it, it shows how serious that people are are taking these things. People who are older, who have underlying health problems, are being told to stay inside at all times. The order calls for all routine medical appointments and elective procedures to be canceled or rescheduled. All health care visits that are not canceled or rescheduled should be done remotely to the extent possible. So don't even go in. We live in interesting times. I, it's it's so surreal. All of this is just so hard to grasp and to realize is actually happening. Right. Well, and again, too, you know, and, and I know, you know, we were talking in the last segment of the program about people who were taking trips. And mm-hmm. our, our last caller, Stacy, was scheduled to go to Florida on Friday. You know, and they're they're driving. They've got a condo and stuff. But that <clears throat> that you do wonder about this type of stuff. That okay, you you get down there. You're in your condo. All right. Then they put in one of these like shelter in place sort of orders. Or, right. You know what? Wh- what do you do? Or you know, I just yeah, it's a it, very good question. It, it's all these all these things that you wrestle with. But anyhow, that that is San Francisco, um, and that's an order that's going to be going into place uh, today. Sonoma and Napa, right now, those counties aren't affected. They're right. not included anyway right. as of now. And, you know, and the other thing, matter of fact, a couple people are texting about this. The other thing, and this. This is this is the issue, and I, I mentioned this in the last hour of the program. I was over the weekend. I was talking to somebody who knows who's really really smart about these types of things and knows a lot more than me. And one of the things he was saying is one of the huge problems they have on the West Coast is you have a huge homeless population. I mean, that's just that that's that's San Francisco, that's San Diego, that's Los Angeles, that's Portland, that's Seattle, because of the climate, huge permanent homeless population. And so that's one you you can say to you know Eric you can say to you and me hey shelter in place right. but what do you do with the homeless and interestingly this order it specifically exempts the homeless you know the home but and they're 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 encouraged to find shelter or something but we you know what do you do you've got mm-hmm. this population that's doesn't have a place to go there's all these underlying issues my guess is they are perhaps because of health issues and other stuff perhaps more prone than other people to come down with this and they're just wandering around the streets it's 
I don't have an answer. I'm just saying it's it, it's a mess. You, yeah, you know, yeah. you tell you and I to shelter in place. That's fine. What do you do with all the people they that are where to go? Right. Um, and and or, and even if they did have somewhere to go, don't necessarily want to right, go. There. Right. Right. Or stay there. Yeah. Um, just I, I don't have the answers. I, I leave that to smarter people than me. All right. And maybe that's you for this next topic. Here, here is here's the deal. The and I think we're all going to have to grapple with this world without sports for a while. <laughs> and, I, and as a matter of fact, I just sent out this tweet of something that I my my wife took undue pleasure in passing this on yesterday. It's this tweet, and I just sent it out. If you follow me at Jeff Wagner six twenty, it's this tweet that essentially says, "Day two without sports. Just found some woman sitting on the couch next to me. Turns out she's my wife." Seems like a nice lady, you know. So that's that, that's that's it. So, but but from the perspective of, of sports, the, it's kind of like, wh- where do you go from here? Um, earlier on, Eric was reporting that you know Major League Baseball is talking about sus- not being able to resume the season until maybe the middle of May, like at at its earliest. Because part of the thing is now that you've sent all the players home, you can't just flip a switch and say, okay, we're going to start playing tomorrow. There's got to be a warm-up and things like that. So you have to have some sort of training. So, you know, baseball is going to be gone for a couple months. All right, here, here's the deal with the NBA. Now, the Bucks were having this magical season. All right, NBA games are suspended. The seasons, whether they're postponed or canceled or whatever, they are not playing. We are, it's what, March 34th, it's March 16th. The, the regular season was scheduled to end in the middle of April, and then you have the playoffs. Normally, the, the NBA finals wrap up sometime in late June. So that's that's your, your time thing frame that you are looking at. The league is on a hiatus right now, and, and nobody knows exactly when they're going to resume. But, again, just like with baseball, and soccer and all these other leagues. You're not going to be able to just flip a switch and say, okay, we're going to start playing regular games tomorrow. I mean, the players are scattered. You've got to get them all together. There has to be some practice times and things like that. Um, there, There's an interesting story um, in the journal Sentinel talking about how the potential for the NBA restarting games this year are are getting slimmer. When the NBA went on its hiatus last Wednesday, the initial hope was apparently to pause the season for a month to figure out, you know, what what they were going to do. Now, now okay, a month would take you to mid-April. Now, keep in mind, baseball is saying they think that the earliest that they're probably going to be able to get started is is like mid-May. Okay, so there's speculation saying that maybe in the NBA, the soonest they think they could resume games would be late May to early June. All right. So if if you're going to lose that chunk of the season, the question becomes, do you still try to finish the season? Do, do you go ahead with, with the playoffs? Do you sit there and say, OK, well, we're we, we want to continue to play through. Um, we're going to, even if we say we're going to end the regular season now, if you can't start games until mid-May or June, you, you're talking about at, at least probably, you know, two months for the playoffs. You're, you're, you're into August. You know, you're into August. And it's raising the question of, um, is it just, is it just better if, if in the next week or two, 
you know, we're still looking at the, these types of quarantines and these suspensions. I mean, it's one thing if if two weeks from now we, we've we've had this whole thing pass, and, and it will pass at some point in time. I just, I mean, none of us know when that's going to be. Okay, so it's one thing if two weeks from now we flatten the curve like they talk about, and we're starting to look at opening schools and things like that. But assuming for the sake of argument that that's not what's happening, and assuming for the sake of argument that the, the soonest you could resume the season would be two months from now, mid-May, early June. At that point in time, simply say, we're, we're done. We're, we're done. We'll start all over again in October. If it looks like this is going to go on for another month or two, do you just flat out cancel the rest of the season, cancel the playoffs, and just put an asterisk in the connection with the 2019-2020 season? What do you do if you're one of these fall winter sports leagues? And if it does go on for another few weeks, does it just make sense to cancel the rest of the season? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What would you do? We discuss in just a moment. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay, so Eric Bilstadt, before we go to the phones, the, the president is going to be speaking i see people are assembled so um, a coronavirus media task force briefing is expected from the white house press room here any moment now it's expected that the president will lead off this briefing briefing as he has done in the past at this point this is all you can hear he does have a staff there lined up behind the podium and the waiting for the president to come in and here he comes thank you So I'm glad to see that you're practicing social distancing. That looks very nice. That's very good. The media uh, sitting apart from each other. For being here today. This morning I spoke with the leaders of the G7, G7 nations, and they uh, uh, really had a good meeting. I think it was a very, very productive meeting. I also spoke with our nation's governors. And this afternoon we're announcing new guidelines for every American to follow over the next 15 days as we combat the virus. Each and every one of us has a critical role to play in stopping the spread and transmission of the virus. We, we did this today. This was done by a lot of very talented people, some of whom are standing with me, and that's available. And Dr. Burks will be speaking about that in just a few minutes. It's important for the young and healthy people to understand that while they may experience milder symptoms, uh, they can easily spread this virus, and they will spread it indeed, putting countless others in harm's way. We especially worry about our senior citizens. The White House Task Force meets every day and continually updates guidelines based on the fast-evolving situation that this has become all over the world. It's all over the world. It's incredible what's happened in such a short period of time. On the guidelines of the task force, the new modeling conducted by Dr. Burks and our consultation with governors, we've made the decision to further toughen the guidelines and blunt the infection now. We'd much rather be ahead of the curve than behind it, and that's what we are. Therefore, my administration is recommending that all Americans, including the young and healthy, work to engage in schooling from home when possible, Avoid gathering in groups of more than 10 people. Avoid discretionary travel. And avoid eating and drinking at bars, restaurants, and public food courts. If everyone makes this uh, 
change or these critical changes and sacrifices now, we will rally together as one nation and we will defeat the virus and we're going to have a big celebration all together. With several weeks of focused action, we can turn the corner and turn it quickly. A lot of progress has been made. I'm also pleased to report today that a vaccine candidate has begun the phase one clinical trial. This is one of the fastest vaccine development launches in history, not even close. We're also racing to develop antiviral therapies and other treatments, and we've had some promising results, early results, but promising to reduce the severity and the duration of the, of the symptoms. And I have to say that uh, our government is prepared to do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes, we're doing. We're doing it in every way. And uh, with that, I'd like to just introduce Dr. Birx, who's going to discuss uh, some of the things that we strongly recommend. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. President. I think you know over the last months, we've taken very bold action to stop the virus from coming to our shores. And because of that, we gained time to really get together and understand the progress across the globe of what has worked and what hasn't worked. We now need to appeal to every single American so that they can have their role in stopping the spread of this virus. We've talked about things before about washing your hands, but we really want to focus on if you are sick, no matter who you are, please stay home. If someone in your household is diagnosed with this virus, the entire household should quarantine in the house to prevent spread of the virus to others. The reason we're taking these strong and bold steps is because we know there is virus spread before you develop symptoms, and then we know that there's a large group, we don't know the precise percent yet, that actually is asymptomatic or has such mild cases that they continue to spread the virus. If your children are sick, please keep them home. Now to our older population or those with pre-existing medical conditions, everyone in the household needs to focus on protecting them. Everyone in the household. I want to speak particularly to our largest generation now, our millennials. I have the mom of two wonderful millennial young women who are bright and hardworking, and I will tell you what I told to them. They are the core group that will stop this virus. They're the group that communicates successfully, independent of picking up a phone. They intuitively know how to contact each other without being in large social gatherings. We're asking all of them to hold their gatherings to under 10 people, not just in bars and restaurants, but in homes. We really want people to be separated at this time. To be able to address this virus comprehensively that we cannot see, for which we don't have a vaccine or a therapeutic, the only thing we have right now is the amazing ingenuity and compassion of the American people. We're appealing to all Americans to take these steps, to protect each other, and to ensure that the virus doesn't spread. These guidelines are very specific, they're very detailed, they will only work if every American takes this together to heart and responds as one nation and one people to stop the spread of this virus. Thank you.
Thank you very much, Dr. Burks. So just to connect with what I mentioned to you in previous discussions in this room, and Dr. Burke said it very well, that in order to be able to contain and curtail this epidemic to not reach its maximum capability, we have a two-pillar approach, one of which I believe has been very effective in preventing the substantial seating, and namely the travel restrictions that we've discussed many times in this room. The other, equally, if not more important, is when you have infection in your own country, which we do, and you know, I could read the numbers, but they're really essentially what we've seen yesterday, incremental increases both uh, globally as well as in the United States with the curve doing that. So therefore, the kinds of things that we do are containment and mitigation. Uh, this, what we're mentioning now, the guidelines, when you look at them carefully, I believe if the people in the United States take them seriously because they were based on some rather serious consideration back and forth, some may look at them and say they're going to be really inconvenient for people. Some will look and say, well, maybe we've gone a little bit too far. They were well thought out. And the thing that I, I want to reemphasize, and I'll say it over and over again, when you're dealing with an emerging infectious diseases outbreak, you are always behind where you think you are if you think that today reflects where you really are. That's not word speak. It means if you think you're here, you're really here because you're only getting the results. Therefore, it will always seem that the best way to address it would to be doing something that looks like it might be an overreaction. It isn't an overreaction. It's a reaction that we feel is commensurate, which is actually going on in reality. So take a look at the guidelines, read them carefully, and we hope that the people of the United States will take them very seriously because they will fail if people don't adhere to them. We have to have, as a whole country, cooperate and collaborate to make sure these get done. Thank you. Okay. Go ahead. A lot of people are concerned about how long all of this might last. Do you, do you have any kind of estimate that if, if Americans really were to band together and right. do what the White House is suggesting, how quickly you could turn this point? My favorite question, I ask it all the time. How many times, Anthony? I think I ask him that question every day, and uh, I speak to Deborah, I speak to a lot of them. I get the opinion. So it seems to me that if we do a really good job, uh, we'll not only hold the death down to a, a level that is uh, much lower than the other way, had we not done a good job. Uh, but people are talking about July, August, something like that. So it could be right in that period of time where it, I say wash, it washes through. Other people don't like that term, but where it washes through. So is this the new normal until the height of the summer? Uh, we'll see what happens, but they think uh, August could be July, could be longer than that. But I've asked that question many, many times. Yes. That being said, Mr. President, Americans today and, and looking forward are living with so much anxiety and so yeah. much fear facing uncertainty right now. I'm curious, how are you talking to your own family about this? How are you talking to your youngest son? Uh, do you empathize with this sense of anxiety? People are really scared. Yeah. No, I think they are very scared. I think they see that we're doing a very professional job. We've been working with the governors and the, frankly, the mayor's local government at every level. 
Uh, we have FEMA totally involved. FEMA has been, uh, you know, usually we see FEMA for the hurricanes and the tornadoes. Now we have FEMA involved in this. They've been doing a fantastic job locally, working with people that they know because they work, like as an example, in California, in uh, the state of Washington. Uh, they work with them a lot on other things, and they're very familiar, so they're working on it. Uh, what you can do, and all you can do is uh, professional, totally competent. Uh, we have the best people in the world. We are really the greatest experts in the world. And uh, someday soon, hopefully, it'll end, and we'll be back to where it was. But this came up. It, it we came up so suddenly. Look, you were surprised. We were all surprised. We heard about it. We heard about uh, reports from China that something was happening, and all of a sudden, uh, we did make a good decision. We closed our our borders to China very quickly, very rapidly. That was a that was a. Otherwise, we'd be in a very as as Tony has said numerous times, we'd be in a very bad position, uh, much worse than we would be right now. You look at what's happening in other countries. Italy's having a very hard time. Uh, but I think that I think that what we do, and I've spoken actually with my son. He says, "How bad is this? It's bad. It's bad." But we're going to uh, we're going to be hopefully a best case, not a worst case, and that's what we're working for. Yes. You can um, clear up some confusion on two key fronts. One is about your own test. The other is about containment efforts. Is the administration considering more aggressive containment uh, options, like a quarantine, a national curfew? Uh, well, we have that very much. Yeah, we have that very much, and we are uh, we've been pretty aggressive. We were early with Europe, but we were very very early with uh, China and other places. And fortunately, we were. And as far as containment here, we are. We, we're coming out with strong suggestions. And, you know, it's becoming a little bit automatic. You look at people, they're not doing certain things. For instance, obviously not, I wouldn't say the restaurant business is booming and bars and grills and all. People are uh, self-containing to a large extent. Uh, we look forward to the day when we can get back to normal. To be specific, are, are, you, are you considering instituting a nationwide lockdown, a nationwide quarantine? Uh, the NSC knocked that down, but there's still some questions about how it all came At this point, not uh, nationwide, but, uh, well, there are some, you know, some places in our nation that are not very affected at all. But we may, we may look at certain areas, certain, certain uh, hot spots, as they call them. We'll be looking at that, but uh, at this moment, no, we're not. The second question is, you said you had, you had your coronavirus test Friday night. Uh, the, the White House doctor's office put out a statement around midnight Friday saying that no test was indicated. So when exactly was your test administered? Well, I had my uh, test. I was late Friday night, and the reason I did it was because the uh, I had no symptoms whatsoever. So the doctor said, you have no symptoms, so we don't see any reason. But when I did the press conference on Friday, everybody was going crazy. Did you do the test? Did you do the test? So very late on Friday night, I did the test. And uh, he may have put out, or the doctor may have put out something at a, I don't know what time the letter went out. Maybe it was put out by somebody else. But uh, the results came back, I believe, the following day. And uh, we tested negative. But the question is, how could the White House doctor's office say a test wasn't indicated, <coughs> implying that you hadn't had one when, in fact, you had one? Well, I, I told them that, uh, and I went totally by what they said, the doctors, more than one. Uh, they said you don't have any of the symptoms. They checked what you're supposed to check, and that I didn't have symptoms. But I did it. I did a, a test late on Friday night, and it came back uh, probably 24 hours later or something. They sent it to the labs. Came back later. Yeah, please. Mr. President, you had a uh, teleconference with the nation's governors today, yeah. and in that teleconference, you told them if they need things like respirators or masks to try to get it on their own. 
What did you mean by that, and what will the federal If they can get them faster them? by getting a, on their own, in other words, go through a supply chain that they may have, because the governors, you know, during normal times, the governors buy a lot of things, not necessarily through federal government. If they're able to get ventilators, respirators, if they're able to get certain things without having to go through the the longer process of federal government. We have stockpiles now where we're ordering tremendous numbers of ventilators, respirators, masks, and they're ordered, and they're coming, and we have quite a few at this point. I think, Mike, we have a lot. But if they can, if they can get them directly, it's always going to be faster if they can get them directly, if they need them. Uh, and I've given them authorization to order directly. One of the big weaknesses in our health care system is uh, surge capacity for uh, medical facilities. And I wanted Sorry. to ask uh, what precautions, what, what planning is being done uh, to uh, get China start, uh, was able to build hospitals in a matter of days. Are you prepared to use the Corps of Engineers or FEMA to start building uh, surge capacity that we may need in a couple weeks? Well, first of all, we hope we don't get there, and that's what we're doing, and that's why we're taking a very strict look at this. But we also are uh, looking at areas, and not only looking, we're expanding uh, certain areas. We're taking over buildings that aren't used. We're doing a lot in that regard. We hope we don't have to get there but we are doing a lot in that regard. That's President Trump from the White House giving a briefing on the coronavirus. He says that the public should avoid gatherings larger than 10 people. 10 people. He says if you are an elderly person, stay home and away from others. He says he's not considering a nationwide lockdown. However, the president did say that Americans should cancel discretionary travel when asked how long we should follow these guidelines, he said perhaps through July or even into August. We will uh, get those guidelines that they have just announced on our website shortly here, momentarily here at WTMJ.com. Right now, it is 2.37. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Well, um, stock market down... 2,600 points. That's the Dow. That's an 11.47% drop. Um, uh, it was down about 2,000 points when the president started talking, and now it's down like 2,700 points. So the, the remarks were not reassuring to the market. He announces new guidelines limiting gatherings of Americans to, to 10 people. Um, I just, at, at some point in time, I just, I, I don't understand how some of this becomes practical. I mean, I, I get the theory, but uh, Americans should avoid gatherings in groups larger than 10 people, avoid discretionary travel. I, I, I understand that. And, I, you know, we were talking about earlier in the program, the discussion. I know there's a lot of people who are thinking, okay, we, we've got plans to get in the car and drive to Florida, and should we go ahead and do it? I, I think at least for the next week or two, I think we're probably all better off staying closer to home, but I'm not the one that ends up having to make those decisions. Interestingly enough, some states, now our, our governor uh, announced that he, he wants to, to limit groups to 50 or or less. There's not an order of forcing bars or restaurants or movie theaters to close, but there is a, an effort to try to limit the, the number of people that are there. Interestingly enough, for example, in New Jersey, they, they've put, they put a curfew on. And, and in New Jersey, the order is people are not supposed to be out of their houses between 8 at night and 5 in the morning. Now, how you enforce this, I don't know. 
what that says about people who work second shift or third shift. I, I don't know how, how you do that. I don't know what's magic about like eight o'clock at, at night. I assume that's when it starts to get dark or, or whatever. Um, I, I don't know what's magic about that. And I, I guess maybe there's some rationale for it. I, I think I, you can't downplay the significance of this. There's, there's no question about it. At the same time, I, I think, you know, you, we need to be realistic about what, in fact, we, we can do. And to me, at this point in time, the social distancing makes sense. It, it's not gather in large groups, you know, putting off some of the big sporting events, trying to limit the size of the, the, the groups that are going to gather, whether it's in bars or restaurants and movie theaters. All that stuff makes eminent sense. I, the idea of not traveling after 8 o'clock at night I think you're going to have to explain to me exactly what the purpose behind that is. If you're working late or you're a second shift worker and you get off at 11 o'clock, what what does that mean? Are we really going to be closing down second and third shift workers? And what about the the truck drivers? And matter of fact, a lot of the grocery stores in our area, I see that they're they're having reduced hours. For example, the grocery store kind of right across the street from where I live, they've at whatever time they're normally open at, they're they're closing like at eight or nine o'clock at night, and they're explaining why. They're saying, "Hey, we're closing early because we are going to be aggressively every night. We're going to be aggressively disinfecting the stores, and we're going to be restocking the shelves." So in that particular case, it makes sense to you know it makes sense to close early. It makes sense to do that. Um, how they could do that if you were said you're not allowed to travel between 8 o'clock at night and 5 o'clock in the morning. So I think you have to be careful not to overreact and, again, not to underreact to this. All right, back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. 